Hello, church, and welcome to this Worldwide Communion Sunday. Later in the service, we'll be celebrating communion. Pastor Paul will lead us in that great event at the close of the message uh, this morning. We are in the upper room with the disciples and Jesus where he instituted that Lord's Supper. And we're continuing on as Jesus talks to his disciples the things they need to know before he goes to his cross. And today he introduces uh, the Holy Spirit to them. I want us to read from uh, chapter 14 of John's Gospel, uh, beginning at verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. And then three verses that we read last week, starting at verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Father, we come to your word and we pray that we would allow that word to speak to us and divide our hearts into your truth. Help us to see what it means to know you and to have you living within us. Amen. I'll be giving you several verses today for a study in the Holy Spirit. And I would urge you on your own to study other verses. Look up the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit in, in the spiritual gifts, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. All these things so crucial to us. But here, Jesus is tying himself to the Father, and now the Holy Spirit to himself and the Father. And so we want to see the unity of the Godhead. We live in the age of the Spirit. It'll be interesting to say what history says about the age in which we are living now. The atomic age, the age of anxiety, certainly an age of crisis. But by biblical terms, we live in the age of the Spirit. Between the already and the not yet. Christ has come and he has not yet returned for us. And to understand that we live in the age of the Spirit is important to know as we understand our times our own faith, ourselves, and our possibilities. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is coming. It's important that I go away so that he will come. The time of Jesus among his disciples was about to end in the flesh, and now the coming of the Spirit where he would dwell within each believer. We misunderstand the Holy Spirit if we don't understand that we're talking about a person. Just as surely as Jesus was a person among us, the Holy Spirit is one of the persons of the Godhead. We recognize that personhood, not an aura, not an abstract power, but the very Spirit of Christ living within us. Jesus' names for the Holy Spirit are Counselor and the Spirit of Truth. And so Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now he's going to say, if you've seen us, you've seen the Spirit as well. And the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, will dwell within you. We are wrong if we put the Trinity into just compartments, that God is creator and Jesus is redeemer and the Holy Spirit is our sanctifier. 
For all of the Godhead was active in creation. Indeed, in John's very gospel, in the first chapter, he says that Jesus was the agent of creation. Paul says to the Corinthian church, all things were made by him and for him. And in Genesis 1-2, the second verse of the Bible, the capital S, Holy Spirit of God, was hovering over the waters, urging the life as God began in the creative process. And so we see that God is for us in Christ and in us by the Holy Spirit. And so we want to look at what that means uh, in our lives. I want us to, uh, to think about what Jesus says here in these verses in chapter 14. The five sayings of Jesus about the Holy Spirit are, I give you another counselor. He will be with you forever. The world cannot accept him, but you know him. He lives with you and will be within you. And then he says, I will come to you. As we look to those sayings, we see various things that Jesus wants to teach us about the Holy Spirit. First of all, he says, I will send you another counselor. Now, in their language, they had two words for another. They would say, this is a book and this is another book. And then the other way they would use the word was another of the exact same kind. This is a book. This is another book. And when Jesus says, I will send you another counselor, he says, I will be sending you another of the exact same kind. Indeed, it is my very self who is coming to you in a different form. And so we recognize that it's not something unique and new happening with the disciples. It is Jesus himself now ready to live within them. It's why he tells them, tarry in Jerusalem until you are filled with the Spirit. We recognize that transformation in their lives and in ours. The next saying is that I will be with you forever through the Holy Spirit. This is not something that comes to an end. That As Jesus' earthly time came to an end with us, the Spirit will continue with us all the way into glory. We recognize that relationship we have as God lives within us. He says the world cannot accept him. The word in different places says the gospel is foolishness to those who don't believe. But to those who do believe, it is the way to eternal life. We recognize that the world cannot accept him unless they come with eyes of faith. We want to come with eyes of faith. We want to move beyond where we were when we were creatures of the world. And now we belong to him. We want to recognize that his spirit comes to, it, to live within us and we want to accept his spirit. It says, you know him because they knew Jesus. He has been with you and now he is going to be within you. What a transformation for the disciples. What a transformation for us that we do not just know the historical Jesus. But Jesus, who is the Father himself, comes to us and lives within us by his Holy Spirit. And finally he says, it is I who will come to you. This is a prelude to Pentecost. And we think of the three symbols of Pentecost. And we had the sound of the, the rushing mighty wind, the sound like a hurricane. The flames of fire that came and landed on each one. The purity of the flame. And then the language. These three things representing the power of God, the purity of God, and the availability of the message of God to all people. He comes to us in the very same way. With his power, with his purity, and with this message that is available to everyone as we live out our lives before him. 
So we must be prepared to receive it. He says, those who love me, obey me. So love and obedience are this lockstep of the Christian faith. We love and we obey. We love and we obey. If it's just love, it disintegrates into mere sentimentalism. If it is just obedience, then it is mere uh, legalism. And we fall short of the purpose of why we are obeying his law. The Pharisees had lost perspective on that. They were all into obedience, but they missed the message of love. God wants us to obey and love as we walk with him and the Holy Spirit comes into prepared hearts. And so Jesus says, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now you will see the Comforter, the one who comes alongside of us. It says he is the witness. He is the advocate that we have. He is our expert advisor. He will lead us into all truth. He is our comfort in sorrow. He is our strength. In, indeed, the word cum and forte in the Greek, with strength, he comes to fortify us, to give us strength. And he is in us, in our daily walk. And so we strive to maintain purity in our daily walk, not because we grit our teeth and try hard to live by Jesus' words, but because the Spirit lives within us. It is all relationship. It's more than experience. It is this indwelling person who is with us. He says, I have been with you, now I will be in you. This deeper relationship. It is like when I first met my wife. She was an acquaintance and then became a friend and then we fell in love and then she was my fiance and then we were married and now every day that relationship grows deeper and deeper and so we move into the depth of this relationship with God through Jesus Christ and by the power of His Holy Spirit. I want us to look at this uh, diagram that's here on the board. This comes to us from uh, the 1700s. This diagram is John Wesley's Order of Salvation. And I want to explain to you the points here. The first X represents the new birth. The dotted line leading up to that is the prevenient grace of God. When the Holy Spirit has drawn us, called us during those years when we were aware of our sinfulness, but had not yet yielded to the Father, had not confessed our sins and found his forgiveness. All of that is the work of the Holy Spirit coming up to that day when we say yes to him. And receive him into our lives. And then this walk with him begins through our lives. This second mark of X was what John Wesley said was entire sanctification. He said, there's no reason that couldn't happen right here at the new birth. But he said, I've never seen it happen that way. Almost always, there is something to work out in our lives. Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There are attitudes, there are relationships, there are habits, there are things that just don't fit with our Christian walk. We come to this point, uh, our church statement of faith says, total devotement to God. We come to that point where we get all of the Holy Spirit at the new birth, He gets all of us at entire sanctification, and we are His. And so we've decided in advance, we don't have to wrestle anymore with every decision about whether I sin or whether I walk in holiness. I have decided I am His completely. And then I walk with him throughout my life. The final X is glorification. When Christ comes for us or we die and go to meet him. We recognize that all through this life we're moving forward and upward toward him. But it's not just a straight uphill life. When we're saved, we're not immediately mature. Again, our statement of faith says there's a lot of difference between a pure heart and a mature character. It takes us time to build that mature character where we are saved in an instant when we confess our sins and he forgives us, 
We just begin a walk, a process with Him that lasts throughout our lives. And when I come to this point of complete devotion to Him, there's still not a spike and way up to the top of maturity. It is still this gradual climb as we learn. Because while I have been freed from that habitual pattern of sinfulness, I am still prey to those sins that catch me off guard. I need to confess them and get back on the walk with Christ. All the way through our lives until we come to Him in glory. And so John Wesley said, this is the way the Spirit works throughout our lives. It is the Holy Spirit who calls us. It's our initial sanctification when we are saved. The Holy Spirit is the one who draws us to that and marks our sanctification. And then as we accept total devotion to Him in entire sanctification. And then we move on through our lives to glorification and heaven. And so as we look to these uh, stages of our lives, I want us to see some verses of what the Holy Spirit's role is in our lives. Now, you can find these if you're watching online on our website. Uh, We'll be handing them out Sunday morning so people will have these verses to study uh, throughout the week. The first role of the Holy Spirit is that he convicts the world of sin. Over in John chapter 16, he says this, I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And listen to this from chapter 16, verse 8. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to three things. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no more. And in regard to judgment, because the Prince of this world now stands condemned. He says, I have a lot more to say to you. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will lead you into all of that truth. It is His role to convict us of our guilt. And so the Spirit convicts me, first of all, in my sin. It's what the dotted lines on the chart were about. When I feel that conviction that I'm a sinner and know I must give my life to Christ. He convicts us that there is a life of righteousness. That there is a right way to live and a wrong way to live. It is the Spirit that convicts me of that. And when I'm not living in that righteous lifestyle, He will work on me until we get it right. And then He convicts us of judgment, that there will be a day when we will stand before God and be judged for everything that we have done and said. Well, the next role of the Holy Spirit is that He is the one who draws us to Christ. In Revelation 22, it says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. He beckons us. No one says Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit leads him there. So we recognize that that is a role of the Holy Spirit. The new birth is being born of the Spirit. Several verses about that. When Jesus encounters Nicodemus, there in John chapter 3, he says, Unless a man is born of water and the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, we are born of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verses 9 through 11, Paul says, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. In in his short letter to Titus in chapter 3, it says, this is by the Holy Spirit that this salvation occurs. And then, a role of the Holy Spirit is he is the witness of our new life. A wonderful, wonderful verse in Romans uh, chapter fourteen or chapter eight, where he says, "His spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of God." It's one thing for me to know that I have asked for forgiveness, and God's word says I have been forgiven. 
says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come into him. He didn't say, I might come in. I'll consider coming in. I'll come in and see what your life is like and look around. He says, I will save you. If we have confessed our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But then we have the assurance of the Spirit, his Spirit testifying along with our spirit that we are children of God. It's that assurance that we love in knowing that we are the children of God. And then what we think of so often in the Holy Spirit is he is the one who fills and sanctifies us. I want to read for you just a, a, verse, a few verses from uh, the first Thessalonian letter. Chapter 5, verse 23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. John Wesley's favorite uh, quote about the Holy Spirit was this. It is love excluding sin. Love filling the whole heart, taking up the whole capacity of the soul. For as long as love takes up the whole heart, what room is there for sin? So we recognize that the Spirit comes to sanctify us through and through. And then he says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He doesn't point the way and give us a little pep talk and say, okay, now try to get there. He says he guides us there. Just as Jesus said, I am the way. I am the road and the destination. So he says, the spirit will fill you and he will accomplish this sanctification that he speaks of. In Romans chapter 6, it says the benefits of salvation is that it leads to the life of holiness and to eternal life. In Ephesians, he says he has come to make us holy. And the words of Jesus himself in John 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Well, the next mark of the Holy Spirit, the role that he plays in our lives, is that he leads us and empowers us. In Acts chapter 1, in verse 8, he says, you will be witnesses. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, you'll be filled, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He doesn't say, you will carry my witness, you will speak my witness. He says, your very life is my witness. Now, our words are crucial, but our words are empty unless our lives back up those words. And so we begin to recognize what it means that we are his witnesses. And Jesus' words that we read right at the beginning, that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will teach you all things, will lead you into the truth. And then we read in Romans that the Holy Spirit is our hope of resurrection. This is Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life in your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. If God, through his spirit, raised up Jesus, now the Holy Spirit living with us is the hope of our glorification. That we will not see decay just as Jesus did not see decay. We will be raised with him in glory. We believe in the bodily resurrection. And so Paul said to the Philippian church, I press on to reach the goal for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says we are citizens of heaven. John says in his first epistle, what we 
shall become has not yet been made known. We will be resurrected with Christ. Paul says to the Philippians, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit within us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and you'll have all of these scriptures in your study if you uh, get this uh, listing online. So you can study these in more detail. But in 2 Corinthians 3, he says, we will be transformed into his likeness. So all these various things are the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He enables us to be holy people. Well, what does a holy person look like? (laughs) Get a vision in your mind of what that holiness looks like. But we don't have to imagine what it looks like. The Word tells us what it looks like. The fruit of the Spirit, that which will grow within us, if we are filled with the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We recognize that this is what the Spirit-filled life looks like. Then He will give us the spiritual gifts so that we can serve in the kingdom and in our ministry. But what the Spirit-filled life looks like is that fruit, is that lifestyle that we want to live out. It's all the work of the Holy Spirit. And each of those steps is both gradual and instantaneous. It's like aging and birthdays. We, we come to a decision and then we grow from that point. We recognize that the Holy Spirit wants to work that way within us. And so we see in our, our statement of faith that I quoted before, this place of pure devotion to God... And then he says there's a divine impulse within us to grow in grace as a disciple. We want to grow in relationship. What relationship do we have that's a valuable relationship that doesn't continue to grow? And so God says, I want this relationship that you have started in Jesus Christ to be fulfilled now in the life of the Spirit. And so Wesley says it is love excluding sin. It doesn't mean we're no longer susceptible to those surprise sins. But what it means is it doesn't knock me off track. I still belong to God. I have sinned. I have fallen. I need to get up. I need to confess it. And I need to move ahead. I need to apologize to those I have wronged as well as confessing it to God. But this is always relational. It is not like sin is pulled out like a rotten tooth and then, oh, now what do we do to put it in its place? It's forced out by that new growth. There's no place for that sinful life because we are filled with His Spirit. And the two cannot coexist. But it is always, always, always relational. We must stress this. I don't live in some mystic state of grace. I am only a holy person if I am holy with the people with whom I live. If I'm holy in my home, with my wife, with my children, with my family... If I'm holy, I'm only holy where I live, in my neighborhood, in the place where I work, in the place where I go to school. That's where our holiness is lived out in these relationships. 2 Thessalonians speaks about the sanctifying work of the Spirit. And Hebrews 12, 14 says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. To see Him, to know Him, to live with Him. And in these relationships, I am holy with those who love me and with those who hate me. Holy with those who agree with me and holy with those who disagree with me. God calls us to the holy life. 
day in, day out. We can live the holy life day in and day out because he lives within us. He has come to dwell. He has come to stay. And we recognize the permanence of that relationship in Christ. And that holiness then will keep bubbling over onto others. If we are filled with his spirit, that filling will continue to show as we live our lives in this, his world. Let me pray with you. Father, in a moment we will come to your table and recognize the gift that you give us in your broken body and your shed blood. But in that same upper room, you told us of this marvelous gift that you were giving to us. This gift of your very spirit who had been among us and now can live within us. Father, I pray that we'd grasp what that means, that your very spirit lives within us, that we are Christian in the deepest sense of the word as we know you in that fullness. Father, if there are those who are listening to this who are still in that place where you are calling them to decision, that they will yield to your spirit and know your truth and know your forgiveness. And for those who are still working out what it means to be completely devoted to you, may we come to that place where your spirit will guide us into all truth. May we know you in your fullness. And then for each day of our lives as we walk with you, may we know your presence, the power of your spirit as you live within us. Guide us into that truth. May we recognize it in each other and rejoice in each other. May we recognize that we're all in this together. This relational life of the Spirit unites us. And all the things that would come to divide us are nothing compared to the power of your uniting Holy Spirit. Guide us into that truth. In the name of Christ. Amen.